Welcome to the FishCast. This week on the FishCast, we discuss the upset loss of FSU to the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. In part two of the podcast, we go over the addition of UCF into the Big 12. In our final segment, we will discuss the Florida Gators and the Alabama Crimson Tide, who both play this week. We will also discuss the firing of Clay Helton and who the USC Trojans will hire as their new head football coach. Good morning and welcome to another action-packed edition of the FishCast. And oh boy, do we have a ton to unwrap today. My name is Corey Long. I am joined, as always, by Charles Fishbein. How you doing, Fish? I'm doing very good. Feel fresh, ready to go, man. Excellent. Also joined by the coach himself, Coach Demo, Chris Demaris. How you doing, Coach? See Long, doing great. Crazy week. Yeah, crazy week, and we're gonna we're gonna unpack it pretty quickly. Um, we're going to go, again, kind of hot out the box this week. We're going to talk right away. Florida State loses to Jacksonville State 20-17. to It's the program's first loss to an FCS program. They led the game 17-7 to in the fourth quarter. Uh, I know we all got our own personal um, feelings on this and where they're headed, but first thing I wanted to do since we uh, – since a, since a big part of this podcast is to have some coaching elements to it, is to go over the last play. Um, six seconds left. Jacksonville State's at their 39 or their 40. I'm not sure what the official number was on the touchdown pass. It's a fourth and 10. They have one timeout, I think. But again, it's six seconds and it's fourth and 10. And they're on, and they're on, the, they're on the minus side of the territory. Um I've, I've heard different ways to describe the defense that FSU was in. Coach, you've been in this scenario a million times. What were they running? What did you see? Well, first of all, it's a shame what happened because Florida State had all the momentum. After that game against Notre Dame, they had the fan base behind them. They had the administration behind them. They had the media behind them and for those guys to come out and lay an egg like that is terrible I mean it, it just ruined everything they tried to accomplish at Notre Dame so with that being said everybody has a different way to skin a cat when it comes to that last play but I always believed you have you have to have multiple players in position so everybody knows what the last play is going to be so they can be throw the ball deep or throw it underneath and try to do all those laterals to try to get into the end zone the more people you have behind that, the better chance you have a success. The less people you have behind it, the less chance you have a success. So I always believe, and this is just my opinion, there's, like I said, there's different ways to skin a cat. You have a three-man rush. You have a guy over your nose and two ends. Then you have a guy about five yards behind the nose guard, and he spies the quarterback. Then you have the next level of three guys, and you can match them up however you want. You put them over the number ones about seven yards deep, and over the number three guy, or you match up your best guy over his best guy. And then you have four defenders behind them and they match up over those four receivers. Okay. <clears throat> then what you do is when the ball snapped, you can bring those ends up and under to flush the quarterback out of the pocket. And then that spy who's behind the, the nose guard, he wraps around and tries to put pressure on the quarterback. He can't just let him go back there and throw the ball. You know where the last play is going to be. Then those three guys at the next level, jam and turn and run oh well they're gonna hold well you don't hold i mean the offensive line are taught not to hold they hold so you don't hold you turn and you press your body with them and you run down the field with them and you still have those four guys back deep so if there is a crazy play where a guy does catch the ball you have more bodies to the ball to be able to tackle it. a couple years ago or maybe it was last year the jets got burnt they tried to blitz the last place an all-out blitz everybody was playing man-to-man -man, and they got beat for a touchdown Sometimes that guy is going to get over the top of your guy if you play in a situation where he's close to the line. That's why I like the different levels of it to be able to say, okay, the, the, the level behind is going to run with the guys. The back level is going to play the ball and they're going to stay on top of the receivers. Now, Florida State felt figured we could do it with just one guy back deep in the middle and one guy over there, number one guys. But you know what the play is going to be. And that's why I always thought the more people behind it, 
the better chance you have at making a play and finishing it, whether it's the lateral, 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 or just the Hail Mary throw deep. Now, they had, from what I count, they had a four-man rush, and they had actually had five guys on the line of scrimmage, and they had four guys about 10 yards off the ball. So was that – I'm I'm not sure exactly. I mean, it looks like it looks like cover two. Looks like some form of a Tampa two. Somebody said it was a robber. One of the safeties went over and played in the, in the robber's spot over top. But either way, it looks like you're more defending for a lateral play than you are for. And they didn't they didn't run a hail mary. They just ran a go route. It's like a simple go route that they ran. But it looks like you're defending for a lateral play there, and that just seems it just seems odd. Who cares if they throw a ten a, a little hook play and let, as long as you've got a bunch of guys back. Right. That's my whole point, Corey. The levels, the levels that you have are very important the last play of the game. You don't you, you, you don't have to necessarily show five guys in a line of scrimmage unless you say, I'm going to go get this guy and that's it. They're terrible. We'll be sacking them all game. We got them. But that's not the case. But if you rush three and get those ends underneath the, the flush that quarterback, then run the spy around to the space, he's got to throw the ball. Then you got your next level of three defenders and your back level of four defenders. And now you have a chance to rally guys to the ball to make the play. That's my only thing. They looked like they were in a three deep because when they beat the corner, one safety came over and there was nobody else around. The guy put the brakes on, cut it back. One of the receivers blocked the safety or the corner that was covering him. The other safety ran right by him and he cut it back and there was no one, no one else. But with the four deep, you have a chance to bring people to that area to be able to go make the play if he does happen to catch it but really they'll say coach you don't know what you're talking about number three the db should have been back deep over the top it should never happen well it happened you got to get guys to rally to the ball but you're right that's what it looked like to me that's what you just described Corey. okay is that would you can is that an, i mean in that situation is that an aggressive play call is it passive is it conservative is it just kind of it seems is it kind of like they just want to stick with something more familiar in what their base defense is. I mean, what, how, I mean, not again, you know, it's just, we're just going over the play. I'm not trying to sure. you know, say D coordinator screw anybody screwed up. But I'm saying what kind of, like, is that an aggressive play call in that situation? In your opinion? I think it was number one, number two, there's different ways to skin a cat. Like I said, but number three is you got to pr prepare for this in practice. There's practice situations where, okay, this is the last play of the game. They're either going to do the laterals or throw it deep. These are the only two scenarios. And we get our players on the field and we orchestrate those two scenarios or whatever best defense we're going to be in to stop that. And then you orchestrate those two plays and have your players react to it. But you can't give up the deep ball because that's the only chance they had with, with the formation. They lined up and they weren't going to look like they weren't going to run any trick plays. You just backpedal deep. The quarterback sat back there. So it wasn't like it was aggressive pressure either. He just sat there. And he threw the ball deep. And the receiver just ran straight. He didn't run a stop and go, a slugger. He just ran straight down the field. you got to be behind the deepest players. Sometimes it's hard to do it three deep. It's easier to do it four across. But like I said, maybe they practiced it in practice. It worked a million times. And this one time it didn't work. I, I don't know. Oh, uh, you <laughs> and, you know, he's shaking his head right now because I think it still frustrates you. Um, um, Fish, uh I mean, from the, from, before we get into the personal aspects of the laws, anything to add to the uh, just the actual play? Yeah, Dima basically broke down. He's going to understand kind of what the coverages are. I watched the game and I saw it from a different angle. It should have never got to that point. You know, I know everybody wants to blame Adam Fuller and he's just, they want to make him the scapegoat. Listen, if you watch the game, they pretty much controlled the run game and controlled the the ball game with Coburn, uh, Corbin, and they also did it with Trayshawn Ward. If they had just kept running those guys, it would have never got to that last play. And you don't want to put yourself in that position at the end of the game anyway. I mean, right. we've seen Correct. enough. How many times have you seen in a game something that's out of your control happen at the end of the game? Uh, you know, and some of the people that have broken it down have said some of the players froze. It, because they, they couldn't believe the guy got behind. You don't want to put your players in that position. Too much can happen. And the odds, it's a fluke play either way, whether they had gone to the end zone with a Hail Mary or it was underneath, 
you're just putting yourself in a position that you don't want to be in as a coach or a staff or a team that you're going to put yourself into that position. Florida State, I told you the story already. I had watched till halftime. Uh, I didn't even get to watch the game. I was reading stuff on the internet as far as a message board and reading the things. Florida State didn't turn the ball over. They didn't have a punt block. They didn't have special teams failures. They pretty much did whatever they wanted running the ball. They just did not finish drives early in the game. If they had just finished some of those drives, we talked about it the week before with Notre Dame in that early on in that game, they could have taken control. Uh, we talked about Notre Dame, you know, Dima was talking, we were, people have talked about, well, why weren't they in a prevent? Well, the week before Notre Dame went into a prevent, they went into it too early. Maybe Florida state in this situation should have been in a prevent defense or something where they got, weren't going to, but too much can happen in one play to ever put your team in that position. And I, that's something that goes on the head coach. And, you know, we talked about what a great job Norvell and his staff did a week before this week, he has to bite the bullet and say, Hey, listen, this was on me. We shouldn't have been in that position. We're a better football team. We should, that game should have been over by the start of the fourth quarter. They put themselves in that position, but when you come off such an emotional game the week before, whether you win or lost, you saw Notre Dame came back and how much it took out of them. And they had to come back on a short week and play. And you see it so many times in college football. These kids are not pros. People forget that. Pros can forget one game to the next. But in college football, whenever you see an emotional win or emotional loss, that team the next week seems drained for whatever reason. And it showed in the Notre Dame and Florida State teams. So you knew coming out into this game that Florida State was not going to give they weren't going to give that same effort they gave against Notre Dame early. And when you're in that position, just keep it simple, get a big lead, just try to grind it out and get out of there. And you see it with good teams, good teams find a way to win those ball games. We've talked about it. This isn't a good Florida state football team. And when the fans sit there and they go, Oh, we're going to win seven or eight. And we talk about the 50, 50 games. This became a 50, 50 game that they put themselves in. And when you're not a good football team, you're going to lose some and you're going to win some of those. And they put themselves in this position and they have only themselves to blame. Can they recover from this? Possibility is slim, but they have to get it done this week at Wake Forest. A game that we thought was going to be a tough enough game already for them that we thought they were kind of an underdog going into. They now are in a must-win situ situation heading into this weekend. Fish, you brought up a couple good points. The first one is, first of all, he ain't beating Clawson. He ain't beating them. First of all, second of all, you're right. Notre Dame jumped into the prevent defense too early. However, we're talking the last play of the game. Yeah. We're not talking about jumping into prevent defense yeah. that whole series. We're talking just the last play and how they lined up and what the deal was. The other thing is, I think they got away from what I said earlier. They need to, that's a team that can use the two quarterback system. Uh, I didn't see the other guy. Maybe he's hurt. I don't know what the deal is. You know, I'm not inside the program. I don't know what the answers are, but I think they could go back to that two quarterback system. It causes people a lot of problems. It causes Notre Dame a major problem when Mackenzie Milton came in at the end of the game, or you just rotate him because the other guy brings something to the table. He really does. And I think if you rotate those two quarterbacks, however you decide to do it, there's a multiple ways to do it. It's going to help Florida state out, but they have their hands full going into uh, Wake Forest. Big time. Demo, one thing we've noticed after two weeks, all right, your team has an identity or it doesn't. Their identity is running the football. They're, that, that's their strength. Their O-line, for some reason, can uh, run block better than they pass block. They are not as effective passing the football. Maybe that comes later in the year once they get more comfortable. Maybe the quarterbacks and the receivers aren't on the same page right now, but they can run the football. Why did they go away from that with Co Corburn, uh, Coburn and also uh, Trayshawn Ward. And then all of a sudden they bring in the third running back who his style's more finesse and he didn't fit what they needed this weekend. Maybe he fits it in another game. You know, every game's going to be different, but they were running the ball so well with those two running backs. I mean, they were getting like seven, eight yards a clip. Why did they go away from that? Like you don't have to get fancy in this game. Just win it. Just pound it out, get to the second half, let your backups play and get out of there. Fish is one of those guys, zero, number zero. Yeah, that's that's Cor Corbin. Yeah, that Corbin. Guy, 
he can flat out run and he's tough and he keeps his feet grinding. I don't know why they got away. He had 12, he only had 12 carries for what? 125. I mean, if you're 12, if, if you have 12 carries for 125, he should have been at least minimum 20 carries to 25. Yeah, he was running the ball. What? I don't even think they can use him that much because he's got, I mean, he's got, he's blown out both of his hamstrings. And I do think, and if they lose him for any game, they, they don't have, I mean, Trayshawn Ward, God bless him, solid player, former walk-on. Like, and that gets to my bigger issue. The, the real issue here Where's is, DJ Williams at? I mean, they brought this kid in from Auburn. He's yeah, a powerful. He can't play. Just like the, the receiver they brought in from Kansas and the defensive end they brought in from Alabama A&M. My overall point is it's amateur hour over there in terms of personnel and recruiting. You got no number one receiver to set the value out of these situations. Some guy you can just go deep that you can get the ball to. You got no number one back that you can count on in the fourth quarter. Your tight ends are basically not even part of the offensive plan. Like, where are the players? Like, even during the days of Florida State when they were struggling, you had an Anton Smith. You had a Javon Walker. You had guys that you knew you could count you on. Don't, you don't remember they put no, press – they, they, they put press – Corey, they put Preston Parker in at running back against Maryland. He had 140 or 50 yards. Like, they've always had an answer. They've always had players. Yeah. They got, like, I don't remember any time. I mean, I've been watching FSU for 30 years. I don't remember a time they haven't had a number one back. I mean, they, they don't have a number one back. I have never seen a time they don't have a number one wide receiver. Even if we didn't think that receiver was great, he's better than what they have now. Like, they have it, they have not the personnel. The, the personnel on this team is just so low right now. It's like, give me a team with a bunch of number three wide receivers and maybe a number two running back. And I don't care how smart you think your coaching staff is. You know, at this level, this you know, at, in the ACC, regardless of what we think of it overall, you still can't win with that. Yeah. Like, and you it's, can't it's, win with those guys. And that's because, like yeah, as they, get, as they get further into the season, that's going to be exposed even more. That's the problem. Yeah. It's like you can yeah. hide it early in the year. Once teams have film on you, it's over. Uh, it's he, just he, Here's the point. Those same recruits, not all of them, not every single one of them, but those same recruits that sat in those stands versus Notre Dame and said, I'm watching them play Notre Dame. I'm coming to Florida State. Are those same recruits that are like, oh, man, are you kidding me? Okay, so you might lose a couple of those guys now. The other thing is, Look at Miami. They played App State, arguably a better team. Offensive coordinator Frank Potts was on our show from Miami, called a great game. App State almost beat Miami. However, Miami found a way to win. Yeah. You know, it's going to be an ugly win. It's going to be disgusting. Okay, but you find a way to win that game. You got to find a way to win the Jacksonville State game. You got to find a way to win it. Well, and I mean, we've, t- we've talked about it before. Like, yeah, people in three weeks from now, if, Ma- if Miami comes out and they beat Michigan State, they get into a little roll and they're four and one or five and one. They forget no, about Nobody's going to remember that they were they only won by two points against App State or Jimbo won by three only at Colorado. People forget that if you win. Like, they just had to come into – I don't care if they won by one point at this game, won 20 to 19. They had to win. Like yes. the probability we look when you look at their season, this was the one game that was a 99.99% probability that they'd win that we're like, all right, they're going to get to six wins this year. This was one of those ones you had in your back pocket. Where do they find this win now, Corey? Like, I don't, it just, it's, it's hard to recover from this. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, say they can't, I mean, this, you know, you go in this week, first road game and I'll say, this is a team that going on the road is probably going to help them because, believe me, they're going to spend all week hearing how horrible they are at home. So being outside of Dope Campbell probably is going to yes. help them. If they can't win, you're looking you're looking at an 0-3 start and not exact, not a team that I think is mentally tough enough to really deal with that and come back. Now you're going to have players that are going to be checking out. You've already lost. I mean, Dante Lucas is already no, no longer part of the team. He was – you know, he was probably one of the linemen with the higher upside. They've got other guys hurt. Um, it's a, you know, there's there's a lot that they have to deal with already on a roster that I think lacks a tremendous amount of talent on the offensive side of the ball. And now you're losing linemen. You've got guys out for the season. You got guys that can't play that much. Um, you know, it's gut check time, and you and you got to think that some of the guys. 
you know, some of the guys that you bring in, you know, we pointed it out. They've got like four transfers that were kind of one and done kids this year. They're not, you know, they're not, you know, some of them aren't exactly going to be keen to try to I mean, out how to make salvage this season at this point. But Corey, we talked, you know, Demo talked about Bobby Bowden, and this is what made Bobby so great that they could lose games and, and as a program, he always kept those kids in check and always had goals for those guys to reach. Even when they maybe they lost two games early in the year in 89, he always found a way to recover from a loss or a bad loss. This is what Mike Norvell's paid for. He has to find a way to, one, steal a win or two, and he has to change the tide. Now, whether we believe he can or not, it's not – it's not in us to figure that out. It's up. It's in him and his coaching staff. They got to find a way to win because if they're going to have success in the future over the next couple of years, and he's still going to have a job right now is going to be whether he wins or not. And, and is able to continue to coach at Florida state. These next few weeks will decide his fate. Yeah. He has yeah. to, he has to show that this is where coaches make their money. Yeah. They lost two. But put them put them aside. They were in both games. They should have won both games. They got to go into Wake Forest, even though that they're the underdog, and they got to go pull a win out where they should. They most people don't think they're going to do it. They got to win. Listen, it, my, listen, Miami and Florida State. They're both are going to be going into the next week's game very depressed because they Alabama's game and then Notre Dame's game. You as a coach got to find a way just to win that game. You don't have to – it would be nice to blow them out like Clemson did and Georgia did to their FCS schools or whoever they play. They blew them out. And they played a tough game the week before too. But they went the next week and they blew their teams out. Miami found a way to win. It was ugly, but they found a way to win. Florida State looks like they were trying to give the game to Jackson State. They, I mean, look in the coach's face. It was like the game's over. And it's like, oh, my God, we won the game. So you have to be able to get your team ready to play the next week. A hundred percent, no matter what happens the week before, you just got to find a way to win. Now they're going into the lines. Then, I mean, you're going to Wake Forest, who's not the Wake Forest of old, who Dave Clawson has done a great job of getting that team ready to play football and recruiting, et cetera. And you're going to be in for the fight of your life. You're not going to walk in there with a win. I'll tell you this. When I was at Florida state, 98, 98, we lost to NC state. The next week we came back and we won and we ran the table and won the first BCS against Tennessee. The next year we're playing La Tech and we're, and we're in for the battle of our lives. And Coach Bowden got on a headset and said, give the reverse to Peter Warwick now. And he meant, went back and forth eight times, made like eight guys missed, scored a touchdown, turned the momentum of the game around, and then Florida State, we played at a high level. That's what has to happen. I just didn't see that switch go on at Florida State to play at that next level. They were just waiting for the next guy to do it. They, they have to do it individually. No Peter, there ain't no Peter Warwick. There ain't no. There's there not. Ain't no, there ain't no closer Peter Warwick on this. Yeah, team. But the but the there's one. Th- but there's, there's got no single guy they can rely on to make a play when they need a play made on offense. Jermaine Johnson might be that guy on defense, but they got nobody on. But Corey, where's the pride in this team? Like you cannot. Somebody this has is to. What happens, Charles, when you bring in? You got four or five one and duns on this team, bro. They don't care about Florida State. Right. There's no, there's no, there's no ingrained pride in that system. You're right, these Corey. Guys, these guys are new. The guys that have been here for five years have been through three, three, three coaching staffs, multiple assistants. Like they're, 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 they're but, the- but, but we're hearing about how cultures change there and and the and the locker the rooms change. Changes and you grab a wide receiver from Kansas who hasn't been part of a, a win since 2019. And he, yeah. they come out and say, oh, well, he's quitting. He's struggling. And then they play him. Like, this is the bad part. He has a horrible training camp where all he was talking about how he just take plays off. Then they run out there and play him. Meanwhile, they got young wide receivers, guys you know, guys I know, that are collecting dust that they spend no time with. I tell you, I mean, this everything this staff is doing is so backwards, it makes no sense to me. Well, here's yeah. the thing. When they went to go play Notre Dame, Every single one of their players had to bring their A game for that game to be great. And it was. They all played their A game. Then next week, they go into Jacksonville State, and the players are thinking, oh, I'm good enough. I can only bring my B game. Well, hold on a second. Jacksonville State bringing their A game. So is your B game as good as their A game? If not, then they're going to beat you. You better play your A game all the time. I don't think this Florida State team's good enough to ever think that like anything but their A game is going to get them a win. Like, they're not good enough. Like, they – 
did everything in their power and still lost the Notre Dame game. Like Notre yep. Dame should have won that game going away. Florida State played to their highest level and still lost. And every fan and everybody sat there. I mean, when has Florida State ever celebrated a loss like that one? Like people should be, you know, it was great. They did, they played great. Yeah, but you know what? They still lost. They have to come back the next week and bounce back strong and show, hey, listen, we're still in a work in progress, but we got to go out and we got to take Jacksonville State behind the shed. There was no reason right, for that game see, to be close. Against Notre Dame, Florida State brought their A game, and Notre Dame was like, yeah, we'll just play our yeah. B game. But then when Notre Dame had to play their A game to win, they figured it out and won. That's yeah. what Florida State should have done against Jacksonville State. And I'll say the other thing. Unless I, I don't know something that somebody's injured, they got to go back to the two quarterback system. At yeah. Florida State, it works for them. It yeah. works for them, not everybody else, but it works for them. Yeah, because they both bring a different style of offense. Listen, yes. it, it, they once again, they're going to have to find out. Like I believe they're going to have to go to two tight end sets. They're going to have to pound the football, and they're going to have to go play action pass. And then when you get Milton in there, you're going to have to design plays for him. Get rid of the Wildcat. You'll have plays for Jordan. They, they can run the Wildcat with Jordan Travis. They do not have to put a, a running back in there that Correct. can't throw, that basically everybody on the other side knows can't throw, and you're wasting a play. If you're going to run Correct. that play, you run Jordan Travis. What? Jacksonville State, they could have basically lined up in the most basic personnel groupings. That's 11, 12, 21, yeah. 22. Yeah. We all know what they mean. Yeah. They can lined up and pushed them backwards. Yes. Yeah. You know, this is the problem with bringing a bunch of smart guys is that they outsmart themselves all the time. You got it, Corey. You got it. Team that doesn't, that you don't have to overthink it against. Let's just run down. We can do it out of the gun. We can do it under center. But let's just go downhill, push these guys back. They won't be able to handle it for four quarters. Instead, you're running wide. You're doing this. We're doing wildcat. We got to do all this window. But all you, if, if you got to do window dressing against Jacksonville State, the confidence that those kids get thinking, oh, these guys can't just come right at us like UAB did the week before. You know, these guys can't just come right at us. I guess, you know, the one thing all these those little FCS teams, especially those ones in the South, has, they got a little speed to the side. You know, down, downhill, they ain't that strong. But you start getting them, they might be able to stretch you out a little bit. So I, I just think it was just, it, it's a bad showing. It's a it's, it's what you call a total team loss. I mean, every no one there should feel like they did their part because if they did their part, they'd have won by 30 points uh, like UAB did the week before. And uh, you know, the other thing too, Corey, is that, uh, you know, you say what you want about Jimbo, say what you want about him. But I watched Texas A&M play and they, I think they were down a quarterback and he just kept to what he was doing. The kids believed that they were going to win they remind me of the North Carolina game in the Orange Bowl that he went to see. They just kept doing their thing, doing their thing. The kids believe, and boom, they go ahead. Because he he sets a standard that listen. Yes. If we get to the fourth quarter, Jimbo. One thing I'll say about Jimbo, and people say he's conservative. He doesn't go for it on fourth down enough. I've I've heard all the complaints. He understands you can only lose a game in the first half. You can't you win. Got it. You can you lose a game in the first half if you get to the fourth quarter with him. He feels I could beat you. I'm, you I have it. enough plays in my. I have enough bullets in the chamber. I'm going to take you out. He the understands too, fish. And, and the, the players, players understand it. Just stay within a, a fighter's chance, and we'll pull it out in the end. Even when we're not at our best, we'll still pull it out. And that's why he's such a great coach. And that's why people don't understand that he's a great coach, and he's going to have success there because he just he's now two and zero. Oh. And now what he's going to do is people don't realize this. He knows he spends so much time with that starter. Now that he has a week to prepare with the new guy, trust me, that guy's not going to look so inept this week. He's going to go out and look like a totally different quarterback because now he has time to spend. He's he, he just won another game. He could go play to that guy's strengths and Texas A&M will probably come out and people are going to go, how did that quarterback look so much better? Because he understands the moment at that point how to get through a game fish how did florida state win a national championship when he was there versus auburn fourth quarter last play yeah. winston throws the pass they grind it all the way down the field to that point that's the play they had to make that's the play they had to win oh uh, he had, believed he believed they won listen he planned that 
all week, all year, that, that, sure. that drive, he had every play picked out in his head. All right, I'm going to run this on this, this on this. At the end of the game, we're going to go to Kelvin Benjamin. Game over, yep. we're winning. He had that scenario planned out all week for two weeks before that game. He understood what he was going to do, and that's what makes him such a great coach. He sees things before they happen. Right. Mike Norvell people, right now has to be in that no. same position. He has to start say, seeing things. Oh. It's not fair. You guys, you're comparing apples and oranges. No, we're not. No, we're comparing no, we're not. apples to apples. We're yep. comparing oranges to oranges. Period. Yep. One That's thing it. Jimbo had also was talent, and he knew how to get talent in the pre- But he, but, I, but everybody talent. says that, Corey. Hey, he had talent. Who got the talent? He did. No, and I'm so did the, he like, learned how to get, he got like, talent. I said right yeah. He got talent in the program. People are like, oh, well, have to learn how to get talent. In he the can't program. win without Jameis. Well, who the hell got Jameis? You know, yeah, it's like, they gotta, I mean, believe me, it's much easier to win with talent than it is without it, as you're yeah. seeing right now. You know, yeah. you got no talent. You struggle to beat Jacksonville State. We have to move on. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, talk about UCF. Big week for UCF. They are, if they were officially ended into the Big 12, we'll be right back. Cast this week here with Fish, here with Coach Demo. Big week down in Orlando with UCF as they get the, the they basically get the golden key they've been looking for an entrance into a Power Five conference this week. The Big Twelve uh, invited UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU. Uh, all four schools accepted. All four schools have been approved. There's no the 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 date we're thinking uh, for this, where this might start, depending on how quickly Oklahoma and Texas can get out of the Big 12, it might be the 2023 season, might be the 2024 season. I don't see it happening past that. Um, UCF now, I mean, I mean, right away, let's let's get into it. It's a it's it's a major day for their program that was built. You talk about a group that basically went 0 and. 0 and 11, 0 and 12. What was it? 2015 to come to this spot. I mean, it's a it's a, an incredible six year turnaround. Well, Charlie gave UCF the golden ticket to the chocolate factory. All right. I mean, listen, this thing has been going on. We talked about. It. I remember sitting with you, and I think at the time. You didn't. You were a little skeptical, and on the whole UCF thing, I had bought into it first thing when O'Leary got there with Dave Kelly, and and I sat there. I remember talking to you. I said, Corey, the potential of this program is so great. I really believe that they could be on par with the Florida State of Miami if they just get an opportunity. Just being located in Central Florida. And they needed a break. And that break happened when they moved from the Citrus Bowl and they built a stadium on campus. I will never forget. That was the number one thing, but go ahead. Yeah. I went to the Texas game. They played Texas and they went from playing in the Citrus Bowl where they had maybe five to 10,000 fans. That Texas game was sold out and that place was electric. And you realized why Howard wanted a stadium on campus for University of Miami, why USF is now in the position they are, UCF made that investment. And they have paid the, the, it's come back tenfold. And they are now a powerful program that other schools in the state are going to have to fear. They are on now on the same level as Florida State and Miami. And I know those fan bases don't want to hear that, but this decision now allows them to recruit the same kids to Central Florida where you can bring kids in anywhere in the country on a one-way ticket, all right? And there's no – there. you could fly from New York to Orlando. You could fly from California to Orlando straight. These guys now have the golden ticket. They are going to become a powerful program, 
And honestly, they're going to have a shot to play for a national title. Well, the other thing is they already got a coach that's a proven Division One coach. It's not like they got to go out and find a guy now. No. They already got the guy. Yep. So it all fits into what UCF wants to do. From a, from a, you know, so right away from a recruiting standpoint, now again, you know, you're the kids that you're recruiting, we're finishing up the 2022 class. So most, most coaching staffs by this point are heavily into the 2023 and 2023 evaluation so they can get going. Um, with the booster of knowing you're going to be in the power five and the big 12 is going to remain a power five conference for the near future. Um, even without Oklahoma and Texas, um, or I, if they weren't, I don't think BYU would have joined. Um, what's, what's the different pitches? What's, what's the different, how do you walk in differently as a recruiter, Demo, knowing that you got a little, you know, you got, you, you can now, you now got as good of a shot at getting to the playoff, uh, presumably as anybody, as any other team that's going to run in a recruiter kid. Well, they're going to find themselves playing a little better competition, number one. But number two, I think Fish hit on that. The, 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 when you invested in building that stadium on campus, you brought your program to a whole nother level. Those students want to wake up and go right over to the stadium. They don't want to get on a bus or a car and drive down to wherever, watch the team play. That's the first thing. Second thing is, yes, Corey, you upped your recruiting. But I already thought your recruiting was good as it was anyway. You're in a fertile state, right in the middle of the state. You have an unbelievable campus. You're not on the water, but you're around wherever you want to be. You're, you're very close to it. And when they play that level of competition, now they can tell the recruits they bring in, hey, we're in a conference. We're in a big power five conference. We got a chance to go to the playoffs. You guys come with us and we'll make it happen. And I think that's, that's what's going to happen. And they already got the coach there. They don't have to go find the guy. They got him. Yep. Coach, uh, Fish, you um... – What's the danger in this? I always feel like there's a danger side in this that maybe sometimes teams get away from what's gotten them to the dance because you're in a new conference and you feel like you have to get a certain type of kid that maybe you weren't able to get the other way, but you were able to win with that type of player. What's the what's kind of the balancing line here when you're going into building up a roster because you Obviously, there's certain things you're going to need to play in a bigger conference. You need more depth. You need you need more quality depth than you're too deep than maybe you have right now. But you know, UCF's got a style. They've got a style that works for them. Is it? Do they? Do they want? I mean, do you make changes to that style? Do you adjust that style? What do you do? You can. Exactly? You, so you, to give yourself the best chance to win without ruining your identity. You, you keep that same style, but you go from you're now you're going from a nice sports car to that next level. Like they can now put better parts in that car and they don't have to go to this. They could go to the same shop to find those parts. They're in the state of Florida. All right. They don't have to get fancy. They could recruit Florida, Georgia, the Southeast. And it's the school is where any parent could get to within three to four hours there. It's the perfect school in the state of Florida at, Florida State, as great as they've been, it's still a six, seven hour drive for somebody from Miami. If you're from Miami now, they could just drive up the turnpike, be there in two and a half hours. The parents could see they don't they don't even have to fly in every weekend. They could drive up Saturday morning to a game. It's like and they could be out of there Saturday night if it's a 12 o'clock game. It is so convenient. It's so easy to get in and out of there. I honestly, I, I think you're gonna see them skyrocket really quick in college football. They're going to become a top 10 to 15 program annually just because you know, you know what else, you know what else, if you're a family and your son plays there, yeah. you make a weekend out of it. You go to yeah. Disney world, you go yeah. to Sea world, you go watch a yeah. football game, watch your son play and go home. Yeah. I don't care. You could drive there, fly there, yeah. whatever you want. And no do. matter what it's, if you have to fly out of state and go get a hotel and go get this, you're going to have to spend two, three, four grand. Somebody could go up there and, and, and like I said, fly, go up, Friday, you you come back Sunday. You're one night in a hotel. You don't and Orlando. It's not like Tallahassee where you have to book two nights just to stay in Tallahassee. You could go there for one night. It's it's very easy to get in and out of. I think they just hit a grand slam. I, honestly, I think UCF is now on the map and they're here to stay. And people better get used to it. They are going to take recruits from Miami, Florida, and Florida State. You could bet on it. You know what they'll say, Fish? Oh, the prices at Disney and hotels in Orlando and SeaWorlds. 
Not for in-state people, it ain't. No. Not for people living in Florida, it ain't. Nah. I'm sure a few of those kids will be getting slip passes, all right? You got that right. Season um, passes. Um, now, also, beyond just by UCF joining another conference, this should also – this also opens up a lot – open up – opens up a lot of doors for the state of Florida in terms of new schools coming in. I mean, obviously, let's see what they added. Cincinnati does a little bit in Florida. They do a lot in, obviously, the Ohio area, Pennsylvania, but opens it up for them. Um, all, you know, Houston obviously recruits a ton out of Texas. I don't think much is going to change. BYU is a specialized school. A certain, they, they get a certain type of player. That player can be anywhere, really. But you start looking, Kansas, we like – Lance Leapole, we think he's going to make that program a lot more competitive. Kansas State, Iowa State's done some good work in Florida. Like for a lot of for the kids in Florida, there's a lot more schools that might will be coming in this area now because they've got that they've got that footprint there. West Virginia, they've been out of Florida recently. I think they're going to jump back into Florida pretty hard. So this is a big deal for really all the you know this is something that. If you're a, if you're a high school kid that is an FBS kid, you celebrate this because this is more schools coming in. Demo will tell you this straight up: when UCF starts dominating that conference, it's over. More and more schools are going to come into Florida because that's the only way you're going to be able to beat them straight that's up. That's it. That you Here, got it. That you changes it. the dynamic of recruiting. Is if the, if they're if they're seeing on the other sideline that every week those kids are beating them, you're going to have to get some of that. Just like Nebraska. Nebraska said, how do we beat Florida, Miami? Well, we better go in the state of Florida and take some of their players. How did Alabama get really good? They Saban's like, you know what? We got to go in the state. You're not going to beat these schools without taking their players. And UCF. They were Clemson. Yep. All, is, yeah, but yeah. I think UCF's sitting pretty fish. Oh, yeah. All the Florida, if I'm a Florida kid, I'm uh, like, wait a minute. I go play for a power five school yeah. that's up and coming with a stadium on campus yeah. that's rocking and rolling, that's yeah. winning right now. It's got a division one coach. Shit, I got to look at UCF. Girls in bikinis walking around campus in oh, uh, December. Yeah. All right? That's all you, you need to know. You want to go to SeaWorld? You want to go to DigiWorld? Go ahead. <laughs> the uh, airport's right there. You're Corey, it ain't a hard out. sell, man. You know. No, dude, no. Corey, I, listen. I know, you, I know you didn't believe it like 15 years ago when O'Leary first took over, but you're all in now. Like, you, no, you, you've, gone, you've gone like Matt Damon in Rounders. You put all your chips in the well, center. No, it went proved it. I mean, and the proved it on multiple occasions when they bounce back from they bounce back from horrible football seasons and it oh. was like, you know I, it, it's weird it's like sometimes you get like they became a teflon program because it's like well how I, you remember o'leary goes like oh and oh and something one and something a few years yeah. later they win the fiesta bowl their, their only yeah. year in the big east is yeah. transitioning to the american they get the big bowl game there's the bortles team they win the fiesta bowl they go over again, uh, and you're just like, oh, they're down. But yeah. Frost comes in, they get a sick, they get a 500 season, and they go undefeated. You know, they win. Like, they're just, they, most teams can't bounce back from multiple over seasons in like a decade. Like, because they're pro, they're pro, pro yeah. like, these guys did. It's just crazy. But their program is set up for success. That, yes. that administration, Listen, everybody laughed at that administration when they said, listen, we're going to put a national championship banner up in our thing. We won the national championship. Like, it's mythical anyway. What, like, everybody in that, we've always talked about it. The people that run the program, all right? And Danny White, I think his name is athletic director. They, athletic director. all right, that's right. He's at Tennessee now. All right, but the guys that have built that program wanted it to be great. You have to have people that believe in that that's why they've had success there is the people above have not gotten in the way they got out of the way they let the coaches do what they got to do and that's why that program is where it's at now you know it's funny i've been to every, most every high school every college division small division big the big the only place they haven't been is ucf and i just keep hearing about it i believe in it i see it i, I i've been in orlando many times i've been over to the uh, the, the, uh, the citrus bowl played in it tangerine bowls etc but I'd never been to the campus at UCF and I'm looking forward to doing it. But the other thing too, Fish, is the team right down the road quietly is 2-0. I know they haven't played SEC play yet. It's coming up this week, but they're quietly 2-0 and they're uh, figuring their identity out. They're going to be something to watch out for. 
We're going to find out this we're weekend. We're going to talk about them in the third we segment. And believe me, that, that third game is going to be a bit shaky. It's all I'm going to say. okay. But the good thing is we're going to come right back. And we're going to talk about that Florida two-quarterback situation. We'll have some final thoughts, some thoughts on Clay Helton, grand opening, grand closing this past week. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be right back with more of the Fishcast. Here, final final segment of the fish cast back with fish back with demo again uh demo gave us the teaser florida 2-0 uh, i was at the game i actually helped cover the game um 42-20 victory against south florida uh south florida we don't need to talk about but we'll talk about florida and uh they they ran the two quarterback system again it's uh it's interesting um obviously um uh Emory Jones gets a lot more snaps, uh, so you get to see a bigger slice of what he can do, what he can't do. With Anthony Richardson, all we've seen is what he can do, which is make big plays and score a lot. Now, I, you know, Dan Mullen, after the game, he made it clear Emory Jones is still the starter. He basically said, you know, there's, certain, there's a lot of things that Richardson hasn't really understood about the offense yet, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I some some people say, oh, well, this gives Alabama a lot to think about. I say that any series you put Emory Jones in is one series that Alabama does not have to think about. Like, and it's just one of those weird things where I feel like, again, overthinking something. You start the game with Emory Jones and you end up not scoring on your first three series, you might be down 17 to nothing. So Sometimes you have two quarterbacks. Sometimes that means you have no quarterback. Sometimes that means you have guys that can do different things. I, this this is, a, this is a tough situation for Dan Mullen to handle because it seems like he has a guy that he believes is a starter, but the backup's the one that's doing everything. You know, each situation is completely 100% different. If I was Norville or Florida State, I'd come out and say, I've got a two-quarterback system. I'm playing both my quarterbacks, and that's it. I don't want to hear it. Goodbye. Have a good day. Mullins, on the other hand, I think has to realize that Jones might be the guy. But I do have an ace in a hole if I need him, and I might put him in a little bit. But I still have to name the starting quarterback, and I think that's what he does with Jones. But here's what Florida does. I think they take players at Florida that have a little bit of an edge to them compared to Florida State-Miami. I think they take players to have a little edge. Now, you have to have guys on your staff to be able to deal with that, to be able to handle those kind of kids. But I think that's why Florida is successful. And I think that's why when they get in the SEC play, they don't get blown out 80 to nothing. They're going to get into a fight with these guys. And I think it's Alabama this week. I, I, I think Alabama knows. I think Saban knows. I think I might have my hands full with these guys. We might win, but we got to have our hands full. Listen, I've given Dan Mullen all the praise in the world. All right. I literally have praised this guy a million times. Start Anthony freaking Richardson, period. I like, I saw enough of Emory last week. I don't need to hear like the other guy doesn't know the playbook. I know this. He ran it three times. I think he scored three times. Like every time he touched the ball, something good happened. Like the other guy, that's not, he, I guarantee you, I could learn the playbook better than both of those guys. I should not be out there ahead of them. All right. Like, I'm so tired of hearing this from coaches. Oh, well, somebody knows the playbook better than other. Listen, some guys are just natural football players. Anthony Richardson is a better football player. He's proven it through two games. If Alab if Florida wants any chance to win this football game, Anthony Richardson is their only hope. If Emory Jones steps out there, they will get beat down. Just but, like the first, but, but fish, we don't even know if it's a ploy. You uh, got to understand, Mullins. He could be playing with Saban's head. He could be playing with the guys uh, at Alabama. Hey, Jones, listen, Jones, I don't care. He could, he could do that. But I'm when the guys what roll out, do. Of, yeah, when they okay, roll and then out, what happens is they bring in this guy Richardson, yeah. and all of a sudden, everybody's like, "Well, he should have started." 
Tell you, but we're gonna do it anyway. Yeah. But Mullins is stupid. He's gonna. No, do it he's anyway. a very like, smart guy. But yeah, yeah I'm but start he's Jones, Jones, Jones. Get everybody thinking it. He's gonna bring in Richardson. Yeah. Of course yeah. he is. My point to that is that you're not making Nick Saban think if you're if you're saying Emory Jones is the starter because I don't think they're concerned about him. They see so many flaws in his game, turnovers, missing open guys that I don't think they sit around. No one's losing sleep over Emory Jones playing. They're losing sleep over if Anthony Richardson's going to play. And like I said, every series that Richardson does not come out, they are conceding that series. And if they get down by too much, it won't matter who's playing. Listen, I've been around coaches that when you get in the huddle, you break the huddle, and you come out, and this is your defense against this offense, you got a chance. There's a lot of head games being played right now, masterful mind head games that we don't know about. I'm telling you right now, you will see that other quarterback in this game and probably often and early. Now, to saving it, but, but, but see, you're saying, well, it doesn't phase saving it. But guess what? It might phase saving. We don't know. But I'm telling you right now, Mullins is playing head games. He knows what he's doing. This other quarterback, you're right, Corey, he's damn good. But he doesn't want to play his card right now. But this other guy's going to come in. You wait and see. I don't know. Sometimes I don't. I don't know. I, I've played a little poker. I've never. I don't. I don't try to hide my aces. You know, you, you win with those things. I, I try to hide the three of clubs because you might not be able to win with that one. And I see an ace, and I, I see an ace, and then I see like a five of diamonds. All right, I'm not going to the five of diamonds. I'm gonna show them the ace because the ace is what they're gonna be worried about. Yeah, and but he's not hiding it. He's got, he knows he got the ace of spades in his pocket. He knows he's got it. Cream pie. If he's thinking yeah, about. I, I have enough faith that. Mullen, yeah, I have enough faith that Mullen. Listen, if he does start Emory and Emory comes out first series and they don't do anything, they go three and out, and then Alabama scores. Trust me, that other kid's in the game right up. Like you he's not it. messing around. He ain't messing around. Not he ain't game. waiting to see the score to be twenty-one nothing before he makes a move. Yeah, no. This guy makes decisions. Not at all. All right. Get a headache. Well, I don't know. You know, this is one of the I I was I like Dan Mullen as much as you guys do in a general sense, but we also we know coaches. Coaches sometimes when they when they have a belief in somebody, that belief overtakes all forms, all all kinds of common sense. Yeah, but he has he has Bull Gator Gator Nation behind him. They turn quickly if like you go and lose. They may like him today, tomorrow they could hate him. Like he, he doesn't have that luxury of other coaches. Like he's got to go out and worst case scenario, this game's got to be within 10 points going in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden people are calling him for his head. So yeah, we'll see. Very I just hope the defensive coordinator is ready to play Alabama. That's all I hope. Yeah. I actually think defensively, I think, I mean, if, if the, if the front four can get some rush, they'll be fine. If they can't, yep. or the secondary is still a little they're, – they're still yeah. a little – they're so young, and they're just kind of all over the place right now. And yeah. I, 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 feel, I feel like if they can't get, get a little pre- – excuse me, can't get a little pressure on Bryce Young, they're in trouble. Um, sadly, we have, to, we have to say goodbye to one of our coaches this week. It's a coach we've been expecting to be departed for a while. But uh, a, a big loss to Stanford, who was, a, I think, an 18-point underdog, was all that was it for Clay Helton. After he goes, he leaves with a record of 46-24, and 24, which sounds so much better than it really is, you know, because he was never meant for, for long for the job. He was brought in as an intern when they had to fire Sarkeesian, and he kind of just hung around long enough <laughs> to where they had to give him some contracts. <laughs> And every, you know, we, we would wonder if this guy was going to stick around every year. And then finally, I think, you know, he, he usually got himself out to pretty decent starts that would hold them off through some of the down periods. But a 42 to 28 loss to Stanford, uh, they decided to make a move sooner than later. Dante Williams is going to take over that job. I doubt he's the guy they're looking at long term. Um the name I first, the one name I had heard right out the gate was Chris Peterson. That Chris Peterson is itching to get back in. I, you know, former Boise State coach, former Washington coach, knows the area. I think that's a good, good situation, good hire, possibly. We are going to hear about Urban Meyer just because I think the NFL thing is going to be a total disaster. Um, you know, I know USC was very adamant that they were not interested in him, but that's pre. NIL. Now that players can get paid, 
you don't have to worry so much about some of the urban little shortcuts, at least in that aspect. I mean, I think you worry about the guys he brings on his staff because he makes some really questionable decisions there. But you don't have to worry about so much <clears throat> violations within the players because they're all at USC. If you can't get some money in the NIL, you're just not you're not doing something right. So, but general thoughts on Clay Helton, thoughts on the USC job. This is a big job. This is a big boy job out there now. Well, when they let Clay Helton go, the only thing that they could say is he was such a nice guy, such a class act, such a nice guy. That ain't going to win at SC. Well, Dima, what do you know about it? Well, I was coached at the University of Hawaii. I played in the Coliseum where SC spanked us. Head coach was Lane Kiffin. Then SC came out to Hawaii the next year. We almost beat him. We almost beat them in Hawaii. That might have led to Lane Kiffin's firing. Who knows? Might have had something to do with it. So I do know a little bit about SC and all that kind of stuff. I had some good friends who's inside the program, et cetera. They do not need a nice guy. They need a guy that walks the line, that walks the fence. He can go either way, but he stays on the fence. That's what they need at SC. Now, I've seen all these seven, six, seven names that they mentioned, yada, 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 this guy, this guy, this guy. Some of those guys are very comfortable where they are. They can't do what they do outside the area that they're in, whether it be the Northeast, et cetera. They, they, they can't do what they do outside the area that they, it won't fit in SC. A Pete Carroll fits there because he was a loosey-goosey guy, okay? But he was serious at the same time. He was a dictator, but a serious, but a loosey-goosey guy at the same time. That fits at SC. They have to recruit outside of California. When Pete Carroll was there, he had Jersey guys. He had Florida guys on the team. Then they won the national championship multiple years. He had a good staff. Young guys mixed with old guys. Guys that could recruit. I think Ed Orgeron was on that staff. Okay? The guy put a good staff together that fit Southern California. All these guys they name are at comfy places that they can get away with what they get away with there. They can't get away at SC. The one name that I haven't heard, and I'm going to throw out there, and you can laugh me all you want, is a guy by the name of Rex Ryan. That's it. You know, Corey, I'll jump in here. You know, you we bring up Peterson, and I think Peterson's a hell of a coach, the guy that was at Washington and did a great job at Boise State. But Played me, against him, too, at, at, yeah. at Hawaii. He played Washington. Yeah, I mean, he kind of seems like the Mark Rick type hire, um, that he'd be the safe guy. Yes. I don't know if USC could go safe. Like, I think they have to go – and get somebody that is going to – they they may have to go up to north, a little north of them, and there's a guy up at Oregon that we all know. You and, got that right. You know, Mario Cristobal. They, they need one. They need a guy that's an elite-level recruiter and a guy that's a program builder and somebody you know can win a national championship because they're bringing elite-level talent. USC is the one school – that should dominate college football west of the Mississippi. They have nobody yes. in their way, really. At the nope. end of the day, if they had, if Mario coached at or at can do what he's doing at Oregon, what would he do with at USC? Him walking into those schools. I mean, you're talking top two, three classes every year. And if they have that, they're in the discussion for the national championship, just because the talent level is going to be so great. And he's going to be able to get better coaches even to go there because USC is such a great job. It's one of the top two or three best jobs. They are the one program that has self-inflicted wounds more than any other program. You yes. never hire a Clay, a Clay Helton. Those guys can't handle that job. That job has, it's, it, you need guys that are cocky, arrogant, that like Demo said, they're going to tell people to get the hell out of their way in that administration. But at the same time, they know when to let people in. This is such a great job, but USC has been known over and over. You look at their history to screw this up. Yes. They need somebody outside that program to make the decision on this. They do not need to keep, it doesn't have to be an SC, an SC guy or somebody that coached or played there. No, yep. they need to go out and get the very best option possible. And, you know, like I said, Mario would be the guy, first guy on my list. Me personally, he'd be the guy that I'd go after. He's already proven he can win in the Pac-12. He's already proven he can recruit at a high level. Mario has the image of what you want in a head coach. I, he'd be my guy that I'd go after at USC. Another name I'm hearing, I mean, I'm hearing two other names. DJ Fleck, who I know, a Minnesota coach who we all like. Uh, James Franklin, I think, is definitely a coach that's out there. 
Um, you know, coach, it's, that's a, and that's an interesting hire. It'll be interesting if they get it from Penn State, but yeah, that's certainly a guy that they can look at. Um, in general, I, I row the boat. Yeah, row the boat. But I, I like. I think Franklin would be very interesting out there too. So um, yeah, I think Franklin would do a great job. Listen, it, you, anybody that can recruit at a high level will have success out there. That's the number one thing. They need guys that don't let the best players leave that state because yeah. there's they can recruit nationally. Like, listen, when they won the national title, P. Carroll let, landed Brian Cushing from New Jersey. He landed Keith Rivers from Florida, Mike Williams from Florida. You look at all the players, um, Liddell, um, oh, the one running back, not um, Reggie Bush. The other running back was from Colorado. He went to every state and landed all the elite kids. Don't forget about the receiver from the yeah, – Jay- yeah, Gary, Jason. from New Jersey. Yeah, Jason, uh, what, Jarrett, Jarrett, Dwayne Jarrett, Jarrett or whatever. Yes. So he landed kids from all over the place. Yeah. And they've, and a, yeah, and they've stopped the, doing that since Clay Helton's been there. Yeah, and the interesting thing, and one of the big criticisms of Clay Helton is that you have several elite quarterbacks, Bryce Young at Alabama, DJ Ugalele at Clemson, uh, JT, what's JT's last name? Daniels, I think. Um um, at, um, at Georgia, um, Jake Garcia at Miami, all from the Los Angeles area. All four of those kids are from Southern California, mm-hmm. and none of them went to USC. Nope. And, you know, right. those things like that, those things, those things run to catch up to you right. quite a lot. Here, here's what you need at SC. You need a couple guys that can recruit locally. You need a guy that can, re- can recruit the Polynesian kids, and you need a national recruiter to go out all over the place and get kids. So you do you that, see- you win there. Are you saying we're interviewing you right now for one of the jobs there on that staff, Demo? Watch it, Fish. Can you imagine Demo in Southern California? Honestly, oh Corey. Oh, my God. Corey, you want to talk about late nights. <laughs> Tell you what, it's we all win. good. We yeah, I, I, know, I know we would. I don't know if Artie could handle living in California with you, though, man. Yeah. <laughs> him, and Chuck, him and Chucky Canner. Chucky be staying in your basement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. all right guys as we uh close out another fun week um any final thoughts coach demo well i think it was a you know exciting week just like the week before i just hope a lot of these teams listen i'm a florida state i'm a florida fan i love all the schools in florida you know but we got to be we got to call a spade a spade i mean when, when it's not going right and things aren't happening and things should change they got to change and we got to speak it out the truth here. We just can't be so loud up. I'm a Seminole and I root for the Seminoles. Yeah, but if they're not getting it done, well, they're not getting it done. There's, there's rooms for improvement. We got to talk about them. And that's that's why we do what we do in our show. And um, I think a lot of them will bounce back. But the thing we go back to is what Fish said. Do the, all these teams have patience? They have patience to lose to Notre Dame the way they did, but they don't have patience to lose to Jackson State the way they did, Jacksonville State. So – it's going to be interesting to see what happens this week. You know, they're down in they're in Wake Forest, and then Miami plays whoever, and then Florida plays SEC play. UCF is back in. It's going to be in the Big 12 eventually. A lot of night neat things are happening, but we are a national podcast, so we understand about what it is like on the West Coast as well. So, but I think Fish is right. I, I think they go hook, line, and sinker for Mario Cristobal at SC. And then they go for, you know, for the name, maybe the name I mentioned, but some of these other guys, they're comfortable where they are. They can get away with what they get away with where they are. Yeah, I, they go I, through that. It's yeah, different. I, I just don't think Urban wants a coach in college anymore. He doesn't like the whole uh, He don't thing. want the headache. Well, listen, he, he, he'll he might, coach, have, he'll, he might have coaching at Bishop Sycamore. Yeah, I think you guys are, I think he'll stick it out a couple years in the league because of the money. But yeah, this uh, week eight. All yeah. right, we'll see. I you know, you know, you know Urban's right-hand man is a Polynesian guy, so yeah. you never know. He could be forced to go out to SC because yeah. they have, you know, they have a Polynesian connection at SC, yeah. but it is what it is. I will say this, all right? Fan bases, and this goes to whether it's Florida State or Miami, fan bases are all fine with you, but when the, those losses keep piling up, your cash day goes real quick. So real quick. We talked about it. Florida State and Miami. They need wins this weekend. Keep the dogs off. That's all I have left to say. 
Yes. I think Miami plays Central Connecticut State. So no, they might no, they play Michigan State this week. So is that this week? Yeah, they got okay. Michigan State at home. Okay. And what's crazy is they're a seven-point favorite. I, they should be a three-point favorite. It just doesn't make sense. So you saw what happened when UConn lost the Holy Cross, did you? Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I, I I gave UConn credit for keeping that game so close. <laughs> you know, because you know Holy Cross. I mean, even though I know Holy Cross lost to. I don't know who they lost to this, but I never heard of the school, but they were better Gordy than Gordy Lockbaum went there. That's the school of Gordy Lockbaum. Yeah. Remember him? The fourth runner up in the Heisman or something? Yeah. The last of the two way players. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember him. Uh, I'm going to see call yeah. my grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, one place where the cache doesn't run out is at the Fish Cast. You can catch yeah. us on Twitter at the Fish Podcast. We are part of the FNF Coaches Network. Look out for our recruiting. Uh, look out for some uh, recruiting-based podcasts in the near future. We're going to talk a little bit about recruiting, answer some questions, answer some mailbag questions. You can find the Fishcast at pretty much anywhere now that we've got our distribution right again. And I think we got. I think we might have about twenty-five different outlets, <laughs> including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google, and several others. Um, let's see. Anything else? Oh, yeah. Just keep, make sure you give us five-star ratings every time you can because that helps us out a ton. Uh, just don't, don't take our word for it. Just do it. Uh, and once again, Charles, Coach Demo, great talking to you. We'll be back next week, probably with a lot more news. Who knows what's going to happen? Row the boat. This thing is crazy. <laughs> all right. Oh, man, that gets Demo all jacked up. Yeah. All right, man. I'm out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.